Welcome to Into the Mythic. I'm Leanne O'Donnell and I'm here with Polo Coleman on the southwest coast of Ireland. This is the third episode of this series about Irish mythology and folklore. Together we're taking a new look at some very old stories. And today we're looking at the eternally fascinating topic of love and romance. You're going to hear a classic Irish love story. A story that demonstrates the very human predicament of what happens when the sensible structures of community and family, marriage, fidelity, loyalty are undermined by things outside of human control. How human frailty and blind spots, character flaws and fate are what makes a story that lives on. Yes, Irish mythology is replete with, with all kinds of love stories and this is one of the, the oldest types of stories in, in the book all over the world. There's a beautiful young girl, a young woman, uh, her name is Grania, and uh, she's just going about her, her life and she's spotted by uh, the great hero, Fionn McCool. Now he's been the leader of the Fianna, this uh, mythical band of warriors, and he's earned his status as leader time and time again. There, there's a whole saga of stories about him and about his braveness and his prowess but he's he's old whatever that means uh, but in those in those days he was considered old and he was battle uh, grizzled and had been married and uh, so he'd, he'd seen life now Fionn is usually very heroic and very noble but uh, we never let uh, consistency get in the way of a good story here so uh, in this one he's he's displays all the the opposite sides of of the senex if you like so the he's he's hidebound he's he's uh he's full of vitriol he's jealous uh he he yeah particularly jealous of 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 the younger men uh over whom he's he's chieftain but um uh, there, there's a beautiful girl called Gronya and Fionn sees her and thinks wow I'm going to have her but she just thinks, oh, my God, OMG, he's such an old, an old man. I, I wouldn't be seen dead with him. And wh- whom she wanted really was Dermot MacDivna, who was the most beautiful of the Fianna. And uh, when they describe him, you know, he's got luscious, thick black hair, a firm brow, clear eyes, straight nose, white tooth, uh, beautiful skin, broad shoulders, the whole thing. So she goes to him and she puts him, Fuigasa, under obligation to, to take her away from the impending marriage that Fionn has announced between himself and Grania. Now, that needs a bit more explanation, I think, because yeah. um, living as we do in the 21st century, the notion of it's, it's more than an obligation, is it a kind of a spell, Fuigasha? Yes. Yeah, in, in, the, in the stories, this, this gesh, or you know, when you're under the gesh, it's Fuigasa, so it's a different form of, of the noun, uh, but, or of the word. But um, it crops up all the time, and it's, it's a wonderful storytelling um, trope if you like for the the Achilles heel so to speak so you you, you bring in a gesh that every everybody in the story has a gesh which you might not mention until it's 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 necessary to to bring in this ah but part of the story and um but it was really it was a very honor based society if you think of of it like uh, the the warrior elites in in much more recent uh, Japan, Japan and ancient Ireland developed in very similar ways. They were both uh, small islands lying off a major landmass. Um, they were left to their own devices. They developed a very strongly um, hierarchical and code-bound society where warriors were very important but poetry was important and beauty was important and so on uh, and but honor honor was everything and you see under the law as well the the uh, breton laws 
everything had what was known as an honour, well, what we call in English an honour price. Uh, the honour price of a king was the highest. Uh, a non-free person right at the bottom had the, had the least honour price, but still had an honour price. A milch cow would have a higher honour price than an old worn-out cow, which would still have a price because you still had a hide, you still had bones and horns that could be made into glue or whatever, meat. Uh, so everything had, had its price. But each person had their honour price, but they also had their honour. And as a warrior, honour was, was everything. If you lost face, that, that was a very serious blow to you. So somebody could put you under your honour or upon your honour, fuigasa, to follow their, their request, as long as it wasn't totally breaking laws. So in this story... Gráinne approaches Dermot, the man of her desires, and puts him, Fuigasa, to take her away from her unwanted marriage to Fionn, the old, the old man. So she wants the young and is, doesn't want the old. So that bit I understand. I think where I'm sort of, I'm wondering how much more one could understand about how does she put him under this obligation? Because well, in a way, there's how does she do it? And there's also, you know, the age-old story... I went off with the king's fiance, but I had to. I had no choice. She made me do it. Like, I'm, there's something in there of where is his his personal autonomy yeah. gone in it? Well, in the story, um, you f- they, uh, in, in the tellings of it, you find that sh- she approaches him and he doesn't want anything to do with her because he sees that she's absolutely beautiful and desirable. He <laughs> what? He doesn't? He, so he sees how amazing oh, she yes. is and he thinks, I must go to the other side of the room immediately. Yes, yeah. and he knows that she's promised to his leader, to whom he has huge loyalty and fealty and love. So he doesn't want anything to do with her. And she, she keeps at him for a bit to try and get her to take to t- to take her away and he and when he refuses she says Dermoth MacDivna Dermoth son of Divna I put you Fuigasa under uh, under oath of your honour to take me away because I I asked this as as a maiden who requires this I don't want this marriage so he is forced very reluctantly to take her away and then they leave, and of course Fiona raises all kinds of hell and gets the Fiona, arouses the Fiona to, to go after them. Um, now the Fiona are sort of reluctant to do this because they, they don't really approve of this marriage and they think Fiona is kind of pushing it. But Dermot and Gráinne meanwhile go on the run and they cover the entire country and all over the country there are places known as Labi Yimoth uh, the bed of Dermot and Gráinne. And they're on tops of hills, they're in little hollows and glens, but all over the country, literally all over the country, where they were said to have slept and spent the night while they were on the run. And at this point, are we to understand that Dermot is acting exclusively out of noble impulses or are they in love at this point? No, purely purely out of out of force measure her. He, he's, no, he's no choice. And she keeps wheedling him and he keeps ignoring her. And at one stage, quite, quite a bit into it, where he still hasn't touched her and he's just saying, look, I'm forced to do this, so I'm doing it, but I don't want to do it. And my loyalty is to Fionn and I really dislike this whole thing. But gradually, of course, he's falling for her, her ample charms. And at one stage, they're, they're crossing a river, uh, a stream, and it's splashing down the hillside. And uh, he walks, or he crosses over, and he's looking back, holding out his hand to help her to see if she can make it across. And she raises her skirts, and her beautiful legs are exposed, and a splash of water leaps up and splashes her on the inside of her thigh, her white, creamy thigh. And he looks at that, and she looks at him, looking at it, and she says, This drop of water is more courage than you, Dermot McDivna. And he says, What do you mean by that? Because he's a warrior, his, his, his courage, his bravery can't be brought into question. And she said, Because it's, it's not afraid to touch 
to touch the inside of my thigh and you are. So then he just says, ah, to hell with it. And they become lovers. So then from then on, they're lovers running away from Fionn, who's, who's after them. Wow, what a, what a pick-up line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what got him in the end was she, un, she suggested he wasn't brave enough. Yes. And that was how... And she would have been very aware that as one of the leading warriors of the Fina, honour would have been everything. He, he could not turn down a request or a demand or a slight on, on his honour. He would have to... It, it's, it's a major flaw, but then people are flawed, you know. So it's kind of the uh, hubris or the arrogance or whatever, you know. But, but all these stories, and that's where, where the Gesh comes in, uh, the Achilles heel. You have to have, if they're perfect, wonderful demigod warriors, all conquering warriors, there, there has to be an Achilles heel, literally, to their character. So it's, it's the major character flaw that allows the story to happen. Because otherwise they'd just be perfect and he would turn her down. And, you know, in all the other stories, why would he go away? Why would um, Lancelot go with Guinevere? You know, there's a, there's a flaw to the character that, dry, like a Greek tragedy. Mm, so it's a really key point that's really, really fascinating. And I suppose, you know, the 21st century writer has to figure out character motivation. And yes. they do something like a psychological analysis of your potential character and why they might do this thing. Yeah. Why would you, for example betray your king or leave your happy family yes, yeah. and what the Irish mythological structure does is it gives you the gasa. Yes and I think they understood very well the, na- the nature of, of human and not just desire but human ways of being um, and, and the flaws and how we, we, we try to attain a sort of a perfection that, that, that society whatever society we're living in um, claims or, or appoints, but we usually fall short of that. And I think they they understood that 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 nobody is perfect, that people make mistakes. But but for the telling of a story, you have to bring in a good reason as to why. And you have to keep your hero heroic, you know. Exactly. So Dermot yeah. doesn't he can't be destroyed as a character in the eyes of the listener. Yes. Because then yeah. he's just a kind of what you'd call a cad if yes, you were exactly, a certain yes, type yeah. of English person. He's yeah. just broken all the rules. Yes. So you need the compulsion. Yes. To make him honourable, likable, and you can follow the story and yes. still care about what happens to him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And within the story, gradually we dislike Fionn more and more and we were are, we're cheering for the lovers and even the Fianna, the Fionn's warrior band are supporting them and they manage like they're in contact with Dermot the whole way through it Fionn doesn't know this he suspects it and is angry about it but doesn't can't can't prove it uh, but they they keep tipping them off as to you know where they're going to be and at one stage Dermot the Grainne are in a, in a deep wood an oak wood and next thing the Fianna arrive and they haven't been able to get word to, to Dermot so they quickly climb up up an oak tree and they're hiding in the oak tree and the fiend arrive and re, you know they see the, the camp has, has been just recently deserted and they know they're hot on the trail. So they're saying, come on, let's go because some of the Fianna realise that Fionn and um, Dermot and, Gr- and Gráinne are up in the tree. But Fionn says, no, no, let's stop here for the night. So uncharacteristically he stops and he makes camp, he makes bed right under the tree. And then he sets up a fiddle board, the kind of, chess-like game that they used to play then uh, um, and he usually plays with Dermot because Dermot is the best of the fiddle players and the only one who is a match for, for Fionn but he gets Conal Carnock who's kind of the 
the the butt of the jokes or the the comic relief in in the stories quite often to play against him. And Connell is no match for Fionn, but they're sitting under the oak tree, the very oak tree in which the uh, the lovers are hiding. So Fionn, uh, Dermot, I mean, gets very involved in the game. He's hanging over the big bough of the tree and he's looking down at the game. And when whenever um, Connell Carnock is going to make a move, and when Fionn's attention is uh, distracted. Dierma drops an acorn on the spot, on the place where he's to move his his piece. So in that way, Conal Karnak, under Dierma's um, guidance, wins the game. And Fiona's really annoyed at that. And then they move on the next day and the lovers go a, go a different way. That's a fantastic scene, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know, they're up in the oak tree, yeah. unbeknownst to their pursuers. Helping him win a game because yeah. it's because he's a warrior. So it's a good day to die. You know, you don't you don't hide. You don't quake hide and quake you even if he's in hiding it's just it's a purely practical thing but he's not going to completely hide he's going to show that he still has has, has courage are you still competing at some level yes uh, very true yeah mm. and beating him and beating him beating him and he has and he has the woman as well yes yeah. so, so yeah it's a fascinating story it has um resonances for me of king arthur and guinevere and lancelot yes yeah um you know, these some some stories really take root in the global imagination, and that yeah. one has um, from a different culture, but yes. a very similar patterning to it. But the story is from the same culture. The original Arthurian legend would be from the same culture as as the Gaelic culture, and it's pretty much the same story in a way. Tell me a bit about what happens to the lovers. So they've been they've been running away from their pursuers. They've had this night in the oak tree. So it goes on for, depending on the stories, like three years or some 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 long time anyway. That's usually either a year and a day or three years, some magic number if you like. And eventually, uh, the Fianna who are fed up with Fionn being distracted and chasing this this thing that he that they should have given up long ago, they talk him into it, and with bad grace he accepts and he allows them to come back and rejoin society. So they're back within within the fold, if you like. But Fionn doesn't really uh, accept them, and he's biding his time. He, he, he wants revenge because he, he, he's, he doesn't like being gainsaid gain and, and beaten. And can I pause for a sec? Because a big part of my mind is with the lovers. Because <laughs> I know it's Fionn's story in a way, but it's also the lovers' story. So do we know anything about, like, what is it like for them? Are they, are they, do they, are they the romantic couple that you might imagine? Are they, do they stay in love? Oh, yes, they, they stay in love, yes. Yeah, they're, they're very much in love even after the end, as we'll see. Because in the very end, anyway, Fionn, uh, there, there's a major boar hunt in what we now call Count Turk in, in North Cork, and that's the headland of the wild boar. And there's a, there, was, there was a famous boar there that was three times the size of any normal boar. And at a time when, if you weren't fighting uh, humans, there wasn't really much to picture yourself against as a warrior. A boar was, was about the best thing um, I'm not sure if we had bullfighting, but certainly boar hunting was uh, was was the big thing because boars are very dangerous, as you know, and they have the the tusks and they're very big and very strong. And and usually what they would do is, uh, you'd have beaters who would go around behind the boar, drive it through a gap, and the warrior would stand in the gap with his spear, and he would wait there, and he'd plant the butt of the spear in the ground and hold it steady. And the whole thing was to stand firm, stand fast, as they very big animal, very fierce animal came charging, outraged at you to just knock you, to gore you, get you out of the way uh, and you would plant the, point the spear at the heart and 
the, the, the velocity of the animal would run itself right down the spear. So, so it took a hell of a lot of courage. So this was really like playing, playing chicken at a, a really high, high level. So this was one of their pastimes. Uh, so a bit like jousting, it was kind of a stupid thing to do, but boys will be boys. So there, there's a big boar hunt and Fionn tells everyone, right, we're going after the, the boar of Counturk. Um, and they're all saying, ooh, that's a biggie. And that's normally a three-man job because it was such a, bit, a famous boar and had killed so many good warriors. But Fionn said, I think, I think Dermot would be well able for this on his own. And the others start to say, don't be crazy. But Dermot, his pride is pricked. He realises that he's been challenged. So he says, of course I can take it on my own, the fool. But he says, I can take it on my own. And Deirdre, or uh, pleads with him not to. And some of the other Fianna try to stop him. But he says, no, no, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. So Fionn is delighted with this. So so then the, the hunt goes ahead as normal and Dermot is there waiting in the narrow gap and the massive boar comes and it's huge. It's bigger than anything he's ever seen. But he stands firm and he plants his spear in the ground and the boar races straight at him and his eyes are red with rage and anger and he's huge. Uh, you know, he's three times the size of three whatever it, it, it's all it goes they go into all the descriptions of how big he is and it he but he holds firm and he points the this this point of his spear right at the heart of the boar and the boar impales himself on the spear but he's so big and his momentum was so great that he comes right down the spear shaft and fatally gores Dermot even in death so Dermot is lying there dying they all rush over to him and they look up at, at Fionn and say quick you have the healing touch because leaders right across uh, Europe uh, in all those old stories the king would have a healing power and then because Fionn had his magic thumb of course from that other story he had the healing power too uh, so they, they tell him to go and get water to bathe the wound which would heal the wound so Fionn realises he can't not do this he has to pretend at least some good grace so he goes over with three times he goes to get water and three times he lets the water slip through his hands and three is an important mm number as well so uh, Dermot dies and then Grania flings herself across his body and like any good woman she dies of heartbreak so the two of them are dead so the the Fianna are, are really distraught but Fionn is still not satisfied so when they go to to bury the two lovers together they're going to raise a mound and a huge stone over them as was the tradition Fionn says no no you have to do them on either side of the stream so He's separating them even in death. So Dermot is on one side of the stream and Groin is on the other side of the stream. But true love will conquer, will, will out. And a hawthorn tree and a rowan tree grow from one from each of the, of the mounds on either side of the, of the river, of the stream. And their branches meet across the stream and unite. So they're united in death. Wow. Dry it's your eyes. Therefore. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful yeah. story. It really is, yeah. And it's very rich and complex, actually. Oh, yeah. That's the really short telling. That's the short telling, yeah. yeah. And yet, if you break it down, there are very simple tropes in it. And the ones that kind of stick out are honour. There's a lot about honour and pride. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The good and bad of, of both of those. Of both sides, yeah. And then how Fionn who, as you say, is always represented as, as a noble individual of good behaviour. Yes. His psychological accolades heal is that he can't forgive having been rejected. Yes, yeah. Which it must be a story as old as the hills. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And particularly the older the older man who has, he's, his great days are, are behind him and he doesn't, he's reluctant to let them go. And especially this Johnny Jump Up, who's the best of the Fianna and the handsomest of the Fianna and 
I was thinking he was probably about like 35 or something. Fionn, yeah, he probably was an ancient like that. <laughs> yeah, Fionn was probably like well past <laughs> yeah, yeah, 35. Yeah. Uh, in those kind of warrior days, yes, I, yeah. I, I doubt they're, thoughting, they're thinking 65. But anyway. I doubt it. I doubt yeah. it as well, yeah. Or 85 for yeah. that matter. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's a very old story and a very contemporary story. Yes, yeah. Because it's the, the nature of the human being. Exactly. We don't really, we haven't changed in that short space of time. Mm. And the lovers don't escape their fate, I suppose. That's the other thing. That's it, yes. Yeah. They can run and they can run. Yeah, they tend not to. It's a bit like the film noir narrative. You know, you can be ill-fated or, you know, star-crossed and so on, but usually it doesn't end well when you are star-crossed. Unless, of course, they're the stories we're still telling. So there are stories of people who ended up happily ever after, but they're not the ones that endure in the psyche. Yes, yeah. And uh, yeah, because those ones that leave you with the lump in the throat, they're the ones that, that really stay with you and think, wow, that's a great story. And what is so great about that story? Like, what is it that works? Is it just that sense of the humanness of it? I think we identify with all those emotions. Uh, obviously, they're writ large in the stories. So that makes it safer. It's to connect with those that that the darkness within us, I suppose, the failure, the flaws within us, but see them on someone else on a different screen. So you're 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 saying, yeah, I know that. All right. Of course, I'm not that bad. But well, maybe in this story, there's something quite powerful about the triad. You, you could imagine yourself at any point of that triangle. Yes. And I suppose in some way we we all have been at some stage. We surely must have been as teenagers or something. Hmm. So that we get to play it out yes. in all the different perspectives. Yes. It's interesting that, as you say, that the Fianna, who are so loyal to Fionn, who represent structure and honour and the way things are supposed to be, their loyalty was actually with, um, in this, with Dermot. Yes, in this case, yeah. And that's the bit where the listener of a story is always silently rooting for... Yeah. The romance. Because, yes, exactly. And I think in this as well, uh, even if you take it away from the romance of the story, I think in this case, Fionn is overreaching his authority. So society is rebelling in as much as it can. So the Fianna are thinking, this is not right. We support Fionn for all, anything, anything that he does that's correct and honourable. We're, we're behind him 100%. But... This is not right. So they don't support him in it. And that's what we all sort of know listening to the story, that his, his pride has been wounded. Yeah, it gets, it's personal for him. It's personal. Yeah. And a little bit like the, the, the King Arthur story, I suppose, the sense at the end is of um, unnecessary waste somehow. Yeah, yeah. You know, these, all these, this beautiful warrior, Dermot, this beautiful woman, and Fionn himself, and the waste yes, of time and yeah. the waste of their lives. Yeah. All from a point of, of pride and yeah. hurt. Sure. You couldn't imagine anything like that happening today, could you? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so much more civilised now. Yes. Having let that story wander through my mind for a few days, or let my mind wander through it... I'd like to tell you that the image that stays with me is the one of the two trees meeting across the river and reuniting the lovers. But I'm afraid that's not the truth. The image that stays with me is of Fionn. 
beyond the noble hero crouching by the river and letting the water that could have healed Dermot slip through his fingers, not once, not twice, but three times. Now remember, this is the same Fionn who, as a boy, was asked by the seer to cook the salmon of knowledge. He was not just the best warrior, the best leader the Fianna had ever known. He was the man who, as a boy, burnt his thumb as he was cooking that salmon, stuck his thumb in his mouth instinctively, and was gifted with all knowledge, all insight. What we might call enlightenment. Now, even allowing for inconsistencies through hundreds of years of storytelling, for the fluid nature of myths and the people in them, he was the same character. And it's this that stays with me, this golden, enlightened, heroic man, who was unable to transcend one thing, the fact that Dermot and Gráinne chose each other over him. Was it thwarted desire, or was it the acid sting of being scorned? Whichever it was, he allowed Dermot to die when he could have healed him. And that's what stays with me. In the first two stories we've looked at, I've had a sense of reaching right back into the origins of human culture, back beyond the Minotaur, into our Paleolithic past, and finding glimpses of very ancient truths. And I'm afraid the same might be true of this story. Maybe there's a very ancient truth in Fionn's character flaw. Maybe this is something that has also been happening forever. The otherwise mighty noble hero laid low by jealousy and desire. And on that cheerful note, I'll tell you about next week's story. A story about two brothers in arms, beloved friends who get caught up in a war by forces much greater than them, some human and some supernatural. Into the Mythic is made possible by the generous support of Wild Goose Studios, a family-owned craft studio based in Kinsale, County Cork.